Good evening and happy Thanksgiving. We just had that, so I'm sure some of you are sitting there maybe still eating turkey. Uh, if so, feel free to mail it here. But we are going to wrap up this series. And, and as I've said all along, like this series was designed for this time of year for several reasons. Uh, we always associate doing good. We always associate being thankful with Thanksgiving, obviously. And yet so many of us just look to the Black Friday deals, which is cool. Uh, so many of us just look to the food, which again is cool, to family time, etc., which is cool. And we forget that there is so much more out there. And in this series, like we, we have started with talking about the simple fact that people are more than numbers, that people are, are not just opponents, people are not just a party, people are not just disagreeers, people are not just different faiths, people are not just different genders, whatever. People are people. Whether you like them, whether you agree with them, no matter what, they are people. And it's important for us to remember that. It's vital for us as Christians to remember that. And we look at Jesus, and that's the theme of everything we do in the church. Uh, we look at Jesus and how he treated people who were after him, how he treated people who were against him, how he treated people who lied about him. He still loved them. He still helped them. He still did good. He knew that all of us would feel better than others because we have the right answer, because we live the Christian faith, because we know we're going to heaven. And yet he wanted us to know, as he's talked about with uh, how, how it's the sick that need the doctor and how the Pharisees treated him for eating with sinners and all of these things, that we aren't better than other people. We may be living a better life, but we aren't better. And they're not better than us, but we have this same chance. And this is all part of doing good. It's all part of finding common ground. It's all part of being like Jesus. Uh, just last week, we talked about one of my favorite scriptures because it's one of the harshest scriptures in which Jesus is talking about a, a judgment, an end of uh, time judgment with uh, separating the sheep and the goats and, and separating people who very clearly either do good or don't do good. And, and in our lifetime and lifetimes before and throughout history of humanity, we turn things into political issues that should not be political issues. We turn things into disagreements that should not be disagreements. We are here to do good in this world. We are here to be a force for good. We are here to be a light for good. We are here to show Jesus to everyone. And there's no way around that. Now I want to go to one more scripture in this series to wrap it up. And this is going to be Matthew 16, 21 through 26. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. I wanted to read this scripture. Uh, I'm just going to bring you behind the curtain. So when I planned this series uh, and was praying about it and thinking about it, uh, COVID wasn't a thing yet because I like to plan out in the year, and yet I leave grace for, for the Spirit to move me, for Him to, to bring something up to change it. And often, uh, each of the month's series are kind of a mix of what I intended and things that just pop up. Well, with this series, I felt so strongly about doing good and about speaking about that at this time of the year, going into Christmas and ending Thanksgiving. And I planned for four weeks. Uh, part of that was because I'm not great at looking at calendars, but another part of it was we were meeting in person, or at least planning on meeting in person. And so I was like, well, Thanksgiving weekend, I want to give that on. Well, I, I had a talk with, with Terry, and we were talking. Who's doing the sound right now? Uh, he just waved, but you can't hear that. Uh, but we were talking, and I was just kind of uh, speaking to him about, you know, do, do I want to 
have something? Like, do I want people to feel obligated or whatever to, to see something at holiday time? And he's like, you know what? Maybe people need it. And, and you know, honestly, maybe I need it to be able to speak. And so we, we, uh, he helped me to just kind of see that while I don't see myself as important, while I don't see uh, even anything that I do as important, I understand the message is. And I wanted this out there. And so with this plan, I was like, well, I need to think of a fifth week. Well, there was another week that I might have had to speak about something else. And the Lord really placed this message on my heart. And it was for a different topic. And as I'm looking to this week, as I'm looking to the end of the series, I look at this scripture again. And I'm like, wow. Even though that last time that I was going to use the scripture didn't work out, like this really fits what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. And it just, it's a way that amazes me again how God touches us when we look for him, how he reaches us, how he uses us, how he gives us what we need. And so this part of the scripture is basically Jesus saying, hey guys, we have done a lot of good. And you have been with me. You've seen me heal. You've seen me help. But these same people that have been my opposition, these same people that I have still loved, they are going to kill me soon. And basically, there is a, a phrase, no good deed goes unpunished. And a lot of people say it, and a lot of people uh, say it looking for pity. A lot of people say it uh, in sadness. A lot of people say it just to say it. Like, there's a lot of different reasons. But Jesus was a, an example of that. He did nothing but good in his life, nothing but good for others, nothing but good in his ministry, nothing but good, period. And he was punished for it. Uh, he was not killed in the people that, that were killing him. He was not killed just because he was the Savior. Uh, most of the people that killed him didn't believe that until after, but he was killed because he practiced what he preached. He was killed because he did good. He was killed because he saw other people as people. He was killed because he loved everyone. He was killed because of the very things he calls us to do. And so I've said this before, and a lot of people have said this before. Uh, I would love to tell people, especially new people that come to the church or new Christians, I would love to say, hey, once you accept Jesus and you, you become a Christian and you start living it and you start treating people like you'd want to be treated and you start loving and you start seeing people as people, once that happens, boom, your life is perfect. Everybody will respect you even if they don't agree with you. Everybody will love you even if they don't like you. All of these things, it's not true. It's not. And in fact, sadly, even among Christians, we don't always love each other. We don't love people. We're called to. And Jesus showed us, hey, Regardless of how other people treat you, keep doing good. Keep going forward. Keep fighting. Keep living for me. Keep being who you know you should be. This Thanksgiving time, it's more than just a weekend and then more than just a Christmas weekend or whenever it is this year. It's more than just thinking, oh, peace on earth, goodwill to men. It's more than just songs. It's more than just eating. It's more than all of this. It's actually living that. And we've seen so much this year of people that are hurting, of people that are angry, of people that are sad, of people that are broken, of people that are hurt. We've seen hatred. We've seen love. We've seen generosity. We've seen all kinds of things from the comfort of our own homes for most of the year. And yet so many people have looked at all of that. And instead of thinking, you know what? I want to be a light to help people see that there is a better way, to help people see that there is a change, to help people see love, to help people see Jesus. They've said, you know what? This is political, or this is against me, or this I don't like. And, and they sit there, and they post, or they tweet, or whatever. All of us are guilty of things like that from time to time. 
And yet those of us who do our best to follow Jesus, who do our best to do good, pick ourselves up and be like, man, last week I really sucked. I just, I gave in and, or, I, or, or things were hurting me and I, I lashed out. Hurt people hurt people. Whatever. We move forward. We look at Jesus and what he says here and how for his good deeds, he was punished. And yet there's more to this scripture. Uh, next verse. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Uh, Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God. So Peter was interesting. We've talked about him a lot. Uh, He was strong in believing in Jesus. And he was at the front lines. If, if Jesus said, hey, this, this thing that I'm calling you to do, it's going to be dangerous. Peter would be right there because he was uh, mind, heart and soul loving Jesus. And he gave him everything. And sometimes, sometimes the very thing that made him so bold and so strong also made him weak because he would be right there. And so what his intent is not to say, Jesus, you're a liar. Uh, I know that for me personally, I struggle with when people question uh, something that I'm saying that is legit. Not when I'm joking, not anything else that's opinion. But when I'm saying something that actually, you know, I I, I intend to be fact or I know it's a fact, etc. And when people question that, regardless of what it is, uh, because I feel like they're calling me a liar. And that's something that I struggle with. And so I believe that Peter, just like the people that have done that to me, don't intend to do that. I've spoken with people who are like, yeah, well, you know, I'm not saying you're lying. I'm just saying you're lying. I'm like, that's kind of the same thing. And maybe I'm looking at it black and white. But what Peter is doing is saying, Jesus, no, you're perfect, which is true. You're good, which is true. Your ministry will live on and so will you. Because he could not imagine this Savior. He could not imagine the Messiah. He could not imagine this, this loving God not being there with him. And so he says something that he intends for comfort. And maybe it was more to comfort himself, but he's like, no, 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 you're not going to die. And again, he's not saying you're a liar, Jesus. He's not saying any of those. He's saying, hey, hey, it's going to be okay," Because he interprets what Jesus just said, that he's going to die, as worry. As like, man, you know, and we've said this, like, man, this week's going to kill me. Or man, this meeting, this, this thing at work, this test coming up, this... Uh, thing that I have to deal with with my friends, with my family, it's going to kill me. And we've said that, hyperbolically. And he thinks Jesus is doing that. And so he's like, hey, no, no, no. It's going to be okay. And Jesus looks at him. And I know that when you're called Satan, especially from Jesus, it's, there's no way to really spin that to positive. But he's not hating on him. He's looking at him and he's saying, Peter, You're being like Satan here. He's like, hey, you're being a tool of the devil. You're being a tool of evil, even though you don't intend it. And he would forgive him. But he's like, Peter, you've got to understand that we are doing something that's not from a human point of view. Because from a human point of view, to do good for others is wrong. We should only follow our best interests. We should only do things that are aligned on our side of the line politically. We should only help people that agree with us. That's what humans say. That's what humans believe, even if they don't say it. Uh, And and we show that with our actions often. And Jesus is like, come on, guys. The human point of view thing, that's what I'm telling you, you have to lose. Not because humanity isn't good. Humanity has the capacity for great good if they follow Jesus, if they do what he calls them to do. 
But we also have the capacity to tear each other down. And he's saying, Peter, learn from me. You've got, your time is limited with me, so learn from me. And you've got to understand that we are doing something for God's point of view. It's God's story, not yours. It's the story of redemption. It's a story of forgiveness. It's a story of grace. It's a story of thanksgiving. It's a story of doing good. And you have to remember that when you look at the Pharisees, when you look at the Roman soldiers, when you look at Pontius Pilate, when you look at Judas, that you are seeing them from a human point of view. And it's one thing to say, hey, they did something wrong. Absolutely. It's another to say, hey, because they did something wrong, they're worthless. Not true. And so Jesus is like, I'm going to die, but it's important because it's for you. But Peter sees things, again, from a human point of view, and because often we look at things from our own way. It's just natural. We want things to be the way we want them to be. Uh, we want church to be the way we want it to be. We want the year 2020 to be the way we want it to be. There are several reasons why it was hard to deal with a pandemic this year, and probably, I don't know how long into next year. But it was very difficult for many people because it shakes up our routine. Uh, I have a niece, and you've probably never heard me mention that before. Her name is Beatrice. She's like a year and a half around there. Uh, she goes to like this little school and it's through the church and, and not this church, I wish, but it's through the church and it's like for five hours on Tuesdays and Thursdays and it's, they've got music and gym and all these other things. And they also had picture day and I was so excited and Amber, her mom was so excited and we're thinking about just all this, this cool little picture that we'd have and I have them. And on picture day, these are one and a half to, like, from one to two-year-olds, basically. Five of them. On picture day, her class was first. And so what you had in mind was, hey, the little ones, we'll get them in there, and we'll get their pictures taken while they're fresh in the day, before naps, before food, before they mess things up, and then we'll get them out and we'll play. But what happened in, in action was you took these five little kids who had just been dropped off by their parents, which can be hard enough, and who were getting used to playing with each other and playing with the teachers and just being in this new situation. You take them out of that situation. You walk them from their parents to another room, to another room, to this strange photographer. And you're like, hey, smile. And so Beatrice's pictures are very serious looking. And some of the kids were crying. And it's not that they don't love pictures. It's not that they aren't happy most of the time. It's that it changed their routine. And so we look at things like that, like a toddler sometimes. We're like, this is how I think things should be. And if that gets shaken up, we're like, oh, well, this is all wrong. There's no way that any other possible opinion could ever be close to what I think. Because we want to be right. Because we want to live the way we want to live. And Jesus is like, you cannot do that. You have to live by what God has called you to live. You have to treat others with respect, with love, with, with goodness. And he's teaching that to Peter right up to the end. Last part of the scripture. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up on your own way. Uh, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Uh, there are a lot of words that we use, we've used so often in human history that they kind of lose meaning and we change them. Uh, one of the things that I've talked about before I don't know if it's been in a message or just talking because I talk all the time. Um, just ask Stevie. But it's, it's love. We use love just for everything. I love that hamburger. I love that show. I love that phone. I love that 
hairstyle. I love this person. I love this thing. Like we use it all the time and that's fine. But because we use it all the time, we forget that when Jesus says that it's an agape love, it means so much more. The other thing that is my point here, follow me. It means so many different things now. If I tell someone to follow me, I probably mean, hey, get on Twitter, which I haven't tweeted on for like two years, three years, four years, something. Uh, get on Facebook, on Instagram, something, and follow me. Now, I don't do that because I don't want people to see pictures of me, the very few that are on there. But, you know, when we hear follow me, that's what we think. Or I follow this team, or I follow this party, or I follow whatever. When Jesus says it, it means more than that. When he says, follow me, he doesn't just mean, you know, look at me and pray to me and read the Bible and, you know, go to church and, and be a Christian. That's part of it. But he means follow me and what I do. Watch how I handle these final days. Watch how I've handled my whole life. Watch how I do good to people who do not deserve it. Watch how I do good for people who would not even spit on me if I were on fire. Watch how I do good for people who are about to betray me. Watch how I do good for people who are about to kill me. Watch how even on the cross I call for forgiveness. This is what I mean by follow me. That's Jesus speaking. Follow me. As Christians, we get caught up on those two concepts, love and follow me. And we start to equate love with, if we agree with. We start to equate love with tough love. And I'm not talking like telling people the truth and then moving forward. I'm talking like hitting them in the face and saying, hey, if you're different than me, you're wrong. So you'd better get in check or I'm going to cut you out of everything. And we equate follow me with, you know, I'm going to look like Jesus. Not literally, but I'm going to look like what I think a Christian should look like. And I'm going to live this life. And then we walk by people on the streets that are hurting. We walk by people in our lives that are hurting. We walk by people in our lives that we do not even see. Because we follow our own way. And you're thinking, man, this is heavy for after Thanksgiving. And this is heavy for teens. Well, as I've said, you guys and the parents watching, you're the church. You're the ones that can pick up and do this. And I know that school is different now. And I know that it's hard. And I know that especially if you're a senior, this is not what you wanted out of your senior year. I know that you want us to have youth every week or church every week. We all want that. All of us want that. And yet we're not able right now. But we keep going. Because it's not about our way. It doesn't mean that we're all perfect because we're not. But it's not about our way. It's not about the way we want things. It's about the way that Jesus lived. It's about following him. It's about showing who he is. And there's another phrase that I'm going to make up right now. I'm going to coin it. So write down the TM next to this when you take a note. As I said at the beginning, no good deed goes unpunished. No good deed goes wasted. No good deed goes wasted. If you do good for someone and they still won't go to church for you, with you, it doesn't waste it because you did good. You planted a seed. If you do good for someone and they talk behind your back still, it hurts and it's wrong, but it's not wasted because it plants a seed. If you do good for someone, and it doesn't look like it makes a difference. It still does. And sometimes with some people, it takes good deed after good deed after good deed, example after example after example. Some of us can be very hard-headed and stubborn. It's a very hard-headed and stubborn world, especially right now. And we've all kind of retreated to our corners to see each other as opponents, to see each other as the enemy. But no good deed goes wasted. 
picking up a pencil for somebody, waving at them, saying hi, asking them to go to church, giving food, giving your time, helping out with stepping forward with, with whatever else that you can do. It's not wasted. It's not going to be 100% successful, but it's not wasted. Because everyone, everyone still has a chance to come to Jesus. It's not on us to be the ones to get them to see that. It's on us to show them why it matters. To show them why they matter. To stand up and say, hey, I'm following Jesus even if you don't like me. I'm going to love you even if you hate me. I'm going to do good even if everybody else does wrong. Because there will be times... That it feels like everyone is against you. And I've talked about this before. A lot of people have. There will be times where it feels like even people who believe the same way as you are against you. Where it feels like you just can't imagine how people can see things from that perspective. And it's like, how can you not see? And it's so hard in those times to continue doing good because we feel so broken and we feel so alone. And it's like, these people, they believe the same as me. It should be different. It should But all of the disciples screwed up, and yet Jesus kept going. His life was absolutely not wasted. None of the disciples' lives were wasted. All of the good that they did, all of the good that you do, all of the good that we do, is not wasted. This series is about that. It's about so much more than doing good. It's about living in a life that that becomes second nature. That treating others like you'd want to be treated. That treating others with respect. That loving people. That seeing them as people. Becomes second nature. And then it becomes first nature. Because that's who we are supposed to be. That's who we are called to be. When doing good is no longer a political issue. But it's simply something that we do. Because we see things. Not from political standpoints. But from the standpoint of Jesus. Not from a human point of view. But from God's point of view. Because that's what we are called to do. This series was important to me. All of them are. That's why I stand here, because I still get nervous, even when I'm the only one in the room. I still get nervous every time I'm going to speak, because I think, man, if anybody listens to this, what if I say something wrong? What if they take the wrong thing from it? And that goes on in my head, even as I'm speaking. I can't control that. And I'm learning to come to terms with that, and I will be learning to come to terms with that for probably the rest of my life. What I can control is my intent. And my intent is to do good with my words, with my actions, with my life. To set an example for Beatrice. To set an example for the teens here, for the teens everywhere. To set an example for the parents, for the adults. Not because I think I'm special or worthy of following, because I don't. But because I think Jesus is. This series is called For Good. Because we are called to live for good. And also, because we are called to do that for good. In the way, you know, forever. There are going to be days that you wake up and school sucks and your parents are on your case. Or from a parent's point of view, there are going to be days where you wake up and work sucks and your kid's on your case. Whatever. And you're going to be like, I don't feel like doing good. I don't feel like doing anything. My team lost. My favorite show ended, which hit me hard. I lost somebody. I've been made fun of. I've been hurt. I've failed a class. I've lost my job. All of those things are valid. Because if something hurts you, it's valid. And you're going to feel those and you're going to wake up and be like, what's the point? 
What's the point in living for good? What's the point in doing good? What's the point in trying? I feel that. I feel that. The point is that even your worst days, your life isn't wasted. No matter what you do, it's not wasted because if you live for Jesus and you do your best and you pick yourself up and you ask for forgiveness when you screw up and if you do good, you're doing good. That's enough. You are enough and that's so important and it's so hard to understand because we live in a world, and we always will, where things are defined by different characteristics. Where it's by how much money you make, how many followers you have, uh, how popular you are, how influential you are, all of these different things. Well, that is not ultimately what will have any impact. Now, there are people that have followers and popularity that use that for good. And there are people like Billy Graham, who, who did so much, like C.S. Lewis, like J.R.R. Tolkien, who did so much with their platform. It's good. And yet there are people who live in a small town who really only talk to two or three people because they work all the time or because they have a small family or whatever, because they're in COVID. And yet their life is also making a difference. There is no big or small to this. It's just doing good. And it will never be wasted. And you will never be wasted. So just do your best to stand up to walk forward in his name, to live like him, to follow him, not just in name, but in word, in deed, in action, in thought, in everything. And do good, no matter what other people say, no matter how many people disagree or agree, do good. Treat others like you'd want to be treated and live like Jesus did. That's all I got.